What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Base Life Podcast. Uh, this is part two of the VVG season opening party and free base workshop. In this episode, we sit down with Jean-Noël Easton of Adrenaline Base and Lisa Hutchins of Valley Base Gear. All right, well, we hope you enjoy it. Three, two, one, see ya. You're listening to the Base Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Hawkins. Right, we are back, and on the mics we have Jean Noel Easton of Adrenaline Base and Lisa Hutchins Holy from Valley Base Gear. Finally, <laughs> we were just talking about how impossible it is to get you on a mic. Yeah, I I've managed to avoid it this long. I don't quite know how I've been roped in today. Right. Yeah, well, you're well, too tired to resist anymore. I, I am. You waited till I was weak. That's right. <laughs> so we had a uh, an amazing weekend. We did the free base workshop. We did the Valley Base Gear opening. Super awesome fun times. It was. Yeah. Um, we were actually just chatting with Robin and Sam about how much fun we had. How much fun did you have? I, yep. <laughs> well, I don't remember getting home, so that's always a good sign. Um, and uh, I didn't fall asleep on the Horner Bar upstairs this hey. year. So Everybody's progressing. Seventh Valley Base Gear opening party, and the first one that I haven't fallen asleep oh, in yeah. the pub for. So, so progress, I think. Progress I and maturity. I didn't see any pukers either. No. Self-included. Yeah. Considering oh, yeah. there was, what, 60, 70, 80 people there? Yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're, we're growing up, people. We're, we're growing old. up. <laughs> so, Jean-Noël, have you, have you done anything like this before? Some sort of base clinic? Base clinic, okay. Uh, no, it's the first time I come to the such event. It was great. Yeah. I uh, I think people were happy to to meet uh, us as manufacturer. Yeah, I know I was to share with with us and to get information about what what we are doing. Yeah, thank you for making the trip, you know, and being a part of the weekend. It, it means a lot to the jumpers to see the faces of you know, the manufacturing and, and the equipment. Because your equipment's everywhere, but you're one person. So it means a lot that you came out to uh, be a part of this weekend. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what did you think? Did you enjoy yourself? Yes. Yes, I enjoy uh, jumping with people and give information as much as I can. It's always interesting to to see the how you can help them not only the in the equipment but the, about the knowledge yeah. I got during all that time. Yeah, for sure. That was really incredible. Actually, it was. Uh, I think sometimes it's uh, like you say the gears everywhere, but sometimes I think you you have to make the effort to point things out. And uh, and yeah, having literally one hundred and twenty years of base jumping experience in our backyard here in the valley mm. like it was it was incredible so i mean the gear's great the quality's great it's 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 awesome gear but um the the experience that goes into it like the development the i mean you go to the adrenaline based factory and yeah just john knows ideas he's just like a mad professor there sitting in chamonix just creating yeah. awesome stuff um but obviously doesn't shout about it so mm. uh, so i am <laughs> yeah but yeah i think it's um i think it's important to remember, it's not just a rig. It's just you, you know, you make a rig. Here you go. It looks pretty. This is this is years of experience and hours and hours of work and testing and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes in. And a lot's changed in the last. I mean, we we were talking about this earlier, like the idea that you know the the number of changes and things that have progressed just in the last, let's say, six seven years. Like, it's hard to think about. Like, where is this going? Like. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't know where the sport's going to be ten years from now, but it's continually well, getting better. Yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, Valley Base Gear opened in 2012, so just had the yeah. We just had the seventh opening party, and it's not that long ago. Mm -mm. Six years ago, I was turning up to the adrenaline base factory, going, "Hey, you you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me at all. Can I buy some of your stuff and sell it in Lauterbrunnen?" And, you know, you feel ridiculous. <laughs> You're like going to see this kind of, you know, God who knows stuff. 
um, and sort of sheepishly going, can I, can, can I work with you, please? And, uh, and he did. And we've been, had adrenaline-based support in the shop ever since, which is awesome. Um, but, yeah, in those six years, phew, yeah, lives of Britain has changed. The gear's changing. Jumpers are changing. It's, uh, it's fast-moving for sure. Yeah. It's progress. I mean, I feel like it's going in a, in a good direction. You know, it's safer. Yeah. Yeah, for, I mean, like... For what we're doing at the end of the day, you know, I feel like it's it's moving in a good direction. Just the sheer fact that we had 50-odd jumpers on an exit point and zero real issues. I mean, we were able... This whole weekend was great. No injuries, no crazy close calls. Yeah. Like, the skill level, I feel like, has gone up. Yeah, and the attitude. Yeah. I think the attitude is... <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I think the, the, the attitude is good <coughs> at the moment. Everybody's, everybody wants to be safer, wants to be better, you know, do stupid stuff safely. So I think the whole sort of loose, back-in-the-day, you know, epic, rad, whatever attitude, it's, it's kind of not cool anymore. Everybody just wants to be in this for a long time. Yeah, and regardless of who we talk to, that seems to be a trend now, is safety and progression and... Uh, Learning but still having fun is is the uh, is a theme that we're we're getting through the podcast, you know. And um, yeah, it's exciting exciting to see you contribute to this, you know, Jean Noel and, and Lisa being a like the glue to the valley that kinda keeps us all in check and then also <laughs> encourages us to do certain things and yeah. yeah. No, it was a great weekend. I mean I was gonna you know, everybody has their own you know, favorites like I, I enjoyed the carnage stuff, but from from your perspective, you know, what was your what did you get the most out of this weekend? Was there something that stood out as what you liked the most? What I liked the most is to the debriefing that we had at the end of the day, mm-hmm. seeing all the people uh, getting information or. And it's not only one by one, it's a group. So everybody has idea or point of view about what happened, how to do. And this is a good uh, good way to share information. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't just debrief and watch your jump. You get to see, you know, everybody else's and see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, and as you're watching those videos, you're developing ideas in your own head about what you think was good and what wasn't, and then you hear someone with a lot of experience um, express those things, and it's it reinforces other people that saw those things but weren't the uh, lead for that group or whatnot. Or if you see something that like they were they were willing to listen if you maybe saw something else or help shape your perspective a little bit to see what they saw which is what i really like i I love coming to my own conclusion and then hearing someone way more experienced than me say the same thing and then it's like oh validated like maybe i'm I'm not not full of shit right (laughs) i mean just kind of full of shit yeah we had the the it was really nice as well that we had just before this weekend we had one of the learn to base jump basic skills courses as well Mm mm-hmm and it's the, the, the pre-base course, grand course. Um, and we had eight people on it, uh, three of whom had flown in from Dubai in the States, which is just awesome. Um, and these guys have no base jumps. They're interested in base jumping. Um, and, and they just want, you know, a bit of a pre-course course. Some of them are 100% committed to the course already. Some of them aren't sure. And it was just a way for them to see if they were up for it. And, um, and they all had such a good time. They they were literally genuinely blown away by the place, by the jumpers, by well, by being able to say, "Oh, see that guy over there? Yeah, he he made the the parachute. He made the that's rig on your that back. Gonna, yeah. yeah, that that you're about to order if you if you jump. You know, like these got 120 years of base jumping is is over there. That's pretty cool. Um, the talks that we had on the, the Friday night, the talks was just so good from from sort of the informative weather from. Matthias mm-hmm. to to Lafargue's well Lafargue. Mm. <laughs> shit, shit base jumpers say. Shit base, the, yeah. 
shit based jumpers say, delivered in Lafargue's inimitable style. Um, but they were blown away by everything, by by the sport, by the community, by by everyone and everyone's attitude. Everybody wants to help everybody. Um, and, and they, yeah, they were really stoked about that. It's nice to hear it from the outside, you know. When you're in it, you just do your best to, to sort of to be the glue um, and, and to sort of make things happen. Um, but to hear it from people who are completely just new to it and to see them so blown away by it, I mean, I, yeah, I think we're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. And we're only going to grow from here. I mean, I, I think the opening party has become a thing. Like it's... Uh, I think people, people, were, people were scheduling their Europe trips around the party. <laughs> so it's, That's, it's nice to start the season well. Yeah. It really is. Start on a high. Yeah. And we did. <laughs> so if you don't mind, uh, John Noel, I'd like to take it back uh, a little bit to your inspiration to, a, to start Adrenaline Bass. And when was that? How long ago? Was Adrenaline Bass started in 96. Um, wow. I, was, I started bass jumping in 92. And after a few years, I was at the university and basically I was uh, uh, climbing and discovered base jumping by seeing uh, the first cliff jump in France made in 89 wow. um, so I I, uh, I started the sport 92 uh, did few years uh, jumping as much as possible at that time it was not that easy like today mm -hmm. you had to find a skydiving parachute and modify in a way that it works more or less from the cliff and I started 96 because I have no other idea what I'm going to do as a job and I like the equipment I started that by being a dealer for basic research mm. at that time. Which is the precursor, for those that aren't familiar, basic research is what Apex became. To, is that a fair statement? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So after a few years, uh, adrenaline was uh, growing a little bit. The, the activity in France, at least, was uh, very, very small. Huh? At that time, it's... Uh, I was working in skydiving equipment, uh, packing reserve, mm. repair. But when I started Adrenaline, I never uh, been on drop zone. Uh, I immediately started in Chamonix, where I was living. Then uh, I started to design container a few years after. The main reason was because I was... Uh, already flying wingsuit from 97 and the equipment was not in my opinion the good enough we had a lot of uh, off heading because of the container for example the there is no dynamic corner at that time so i started to work on my side on it and decided to make the the first container so the zac came out at that time, I was doing everything by myself in my garage. Mm -hmm. So from designing, producing few harness, accounting, everything. Um, then step by step, we the activity growing. We I started to make more and more container by myself, and I had to to find solution to produce the container and have more time to, to design. Uh, I was jumping the, the, the wingsuit so very early because I, I knew Patrick de Gaillardon who uh, was the, one, the first who, who managed to make this dream happen. And uh, I saw him, him one time uh, jumping. We were in Norway, actually in Kerag for a movie he was doing. I was filming him jumping. Uh, we were jumping uh, with the snowboard from the from the cliff, and uh, we, I, he, he did his first, the first best jump with a wingsuit there, and I immediately wanted to 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 try that. 
So he just told me, okay, you are, uh, you know how to to sew fabric, to stitch fabric. Think what you can do and try it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what a way, a way. If I was just copying what he's doing, uh, we didn't know anything about wingsuit at that time, and he was thinking if I do my own way, something different will comes out. And it will help to to move forward. Yeah, it's crazy just to think about like the the little things that have changed in the last several years. And I mean, things like dynamic corners and like that's a standard now. And things like you know, like the ABX just came out, you know, relatively recently. And I'm just curious, like, what you think? Where are we going to be five years from now? Like, I can only imagine what what's going to change. And what kind of little things are coming? I have no idea what will be the future. Yeah. Um, with, for example, wingsuit. If we go back to that, uh, when Patrick de Gaillardon has mm. the feeling it will be something for everyone, mm. but it's very difficult to to imagine how it can be in five, ten years. Mm -hmm. So same about equipment. We have some ID for sure, but many things can happen. We have to, to follow the activity mm. also, what people need, and also bring new stuff so to, to give more opportunity to people to, to make new stuff. And for those that maybe um, aren't as familiar with the wingsuit progression and where it was and where it's going patrick was generally considered one of the godfathers of wingsuit wingsuits period is that a fair statement he was one of the first right yes yeah. he, he was the first huh? he yeah. just had the heidi okay the 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 burn man huh? it, it's uh it's older than that in the 60s mm -hmm. mm. another french guy also yeah. leo valentin was using uh it's not a wingsuit it really huh? but he, few guys were were putting fabric between arms and legs mm -hmm. uh, at that time it was very dangerous to even to jump from plane uh, with a parachute so pff, i think mm, most of them if not all of them die from jumping and he had this idea in in 93 94 to to make the same but with the the ramer technology so the Mm -hmm. That we have, that we have now on the plane, on the paraglider, on the parachute, and then he was the first to to use that. It was very very small wings huh, he had, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he did. Uh, it was not really testing like we do now with some knowledge. It was just a feeling that you can do something and you you jump, mm -hmm. you try by yourself. Right. And when you guys were, that was the foundation, you know, that was the beginning and everything has been, you know, trial and error and learning from that and, and continue, continuing to grow. And so that, I mean, you were there from, from the beginning. Yes. I, I saw the, the, the wing shoot, uh, from the very beginning mm -hmm. as I was jumping 97. So my own wing shoot, I did, uh, like Patrick, I didn't. One or two wingsuit for myself and did uh, some jump from the plane, then from the cliff. And yeah, step by step, you improve or not. It was not so easy. Huh? We had, like I said, no knowledge about uh, flying and the results were very, uh, were not very good sometimes. It was, uh, it, it could be scary. Actually, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's it's still scary. <laughs> Who are we kidding? But uh, yeah, at the same, but at the same time, the the knowledge that we have now relative to what you had to work with then is completely different. You know, it's like there's so much more information available, and we the the path to progression in many regards has been paved with uh, fatalities and with well, that didn't work. Let's not do that anymore. And then let's continue to, you know, but we're still progressing. We're still going forward. You know. Yes, the the equipment is still progressing. Uh, as manufacturer, we try to to make the safest equipment 
possible um, to bring new stuff to people to help them to to be safe um, that's what we did on that was the goal on the ABX harness um, to make a, first a safer harness to use in general in base jumping a lighter harness and bring some new new technology that exists in other sports like climbing and paragliding and to to mix them to have something new for base jumping can you tell us a little bit about the abx and some of the features that make it unique um to harnesses that have been in, in made prior to that where did the abx actually come up the idea come from so abx i want to have a safer and lighter harness as manufacturer we you can see the sometimes the the some problem you can have on harness people go in extreme case like very heavy people going head low very fast and have a very very hard opening mm -hmm. uh, it happened in skydiving too so you ca start to not completely break but you the, the equipment get uh, you get close to the limits mm -hmm. and my idea was to mix in one harness so safer harness means it's uh, strong enough in, in in the extreme case you can get in base jumping uh, lighter harness because uh, We carry the harness not by plane, huh? mm -hmm. we hike usually. So I came out with uh, something that uh, that was uh, first close to what I want to, to get. Then I uh, I find out what I we use in paragliding from long time on the harnesses, this uh, cross system who help to to transfer the load on one side on the, of the harness when you go on the other side so to in general to to help people to get a better opening uh, it took me one year when i started the project to to jump the first prototype um, and then again uh, almost one year to put it into production so it's a lot of time a lot of testing uh, for this harness uh, i didn't want to use a material that already existed to really meet what I wanted to have on the on the harness so we de designed the webbing uh, the aluminium buckle and all was tested uh, piece by piece mm. uh, all the stitching also is uh, very different the, the round stitching you can find on the harness is not to something to to make it uh, nice or fashion huh? mm. it's a real uh, uh, effective to keep uh, integrity stitching even if the harness has a <coughs> asymmetrical uh, loading at very high point yeah. and it works good uh, during the test of the ABX we compare to a TSO harness from skydiving And uh, on asymmetrical test, for example, the skydiving harness, you start to break after uh, one drop, you break, for example, the chest strap. Uh, after second drop, you start to break the hip junction. On the ABX, you didn't break, we didn't break anything. Mm. And the load you can get, you can put on this harness is uh, way more than you, you need, mm -hmm. of course. But uh, as base jumping, uh, Uh, we use we use the harness in uh, mountain usually, and I wanted to have something that is uh, keeps uh, uh, strength all the time uh, during the life. Mm. And the the ABX has a, another feature. Uh, I know this because I have one on my hybrid three, um, where you can for rappelling as well. Yeah, rappelling uh, people were using uh, chest strap to. Mm. To anchor themselves to for rappel, which is not very good. Actually, uh, you can usually people doesn't have the knowledge, but uh, for that, but uh, when you rappel, we usually rappel on the old rope that uh, hang on the exit point, so static rope. Uh, from that, if you just rappel and get 
just little bit of slack in the rappel and slide, you can easily put three, four hundred kilo on the chest wrap. Mm. Um, so my uh, idea was to have uh, to integrate the the, the harness. Uh, into the, the jumping harness, so, so the climbing harness. And uh, for that, we did the same, uh, the same test as a climbing harness. means that the, when you are secure on your HBX, on this part, you can also use it for climbing. It's uh, the same strength, yeah, to make it safer. Yeah. This might sound like a silly question, but what does ABX stand for? Well, AB for adrenaline base and X for the cross we had. Uh, cross the webbing. There yes. we are. Now Very it all cool. makes sense. Yeah. All this time I've never actually knew what it stood for, but that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things in life. Right. <laughs> so did you ever come up with an idea that you immediately or really quickly found out this is a bad idea? Like wh what kind of things have ended up being scrapped as thinking this was a great idea but in reality it just didn't work because i can imagine like as you're testing wingsuit design from scratch that there's got to be some thing things that you've tried that you've realized after the fact didn't work so good well it's uh, more on the um, design of the the harness not in general but the different point For example, when we I started to work on the ultralight ABX, so mm -hmm. made from uh, Dyneema webbing, uh, I had to change and to design again all the stitching that I was using already on the original ABX because the material is different. So I find out that if I was using that, I reduced the the strength of the the webbing so much. Okay, it was still okay in to jump it, but it didn't match the the what I want to get. Right. When I designed the harness, I did put it some number on the table, and I said, okay, I want to reach that. I put to give you a number. I put the hundred hundred twenty kilo jumper, fifteen mm. g. Oh. And on top of that, I added a security factor. So it brings me to a very high number mm -hmm. that I wanted to keep to, to, to on my harness. To And it, it's the same on the ultralight harness, strong as the original ABX. Uh, some people will say, okay, it's not uh, in needed to have so strong harnesses because your body cannot handle so much force. But As I said, in base jumping, the environment we pack in the grass, in the many places where the, the equipment gets used very fast. So it's important to keep uh, something that uh, that works uh, all the time. Huh? Still works well with age. Yeah, absolutely. What is something that you know now that maybe 20 years ago you didn't know, or you didn't? It wasn't. It just we hadn't learned these things yet. Or do you have any lessons that you've learned over the years that, you know, maybe you could impart to a younger jumper or someone that wasn't around 20 years ago when we were figuring some of this stuff out? About equipment? Equipment or base in general, you know, just trying to glean some of those golden nuggets. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it's, uh, I think it's uh, the same for every activity, uh, this kind of activity. Uh, when you are 20, you are uh, invisible. Mm. You cannot die <laughs> from anything. <laughs> and then if you manage to to keep jumping, you, you learn that uh, it happen, can happen to everyone to have a problem, accident. And at the end, you st start to think it's a, it's a good way to step back on some stuff and just to enjoy the... The activity. And it's very important to not only to be prepared, but to to look about herself, to try to look how we do, so to have an outside point of view, not only by the other one, but uh, ourselves to to look what we are doing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like looking back on everything, it's like, oh yeah, really need to. It's it's about 
knowing yourself and being able to take make those decisions on your own and, and be honest with yourself. Yeah, and also be very strict on what you are doing. When conditions are, are not good, uh, okay, you can still go down and come back uh, another day. Huh? It happened to me a lot of times, especially at the beginning when I was jumping because we didn't knew anything. Huh? When you are just skydiving, you don't know much about uh, air condition, so aerologic condition. Um, and I learned uh, very quickly after 15 best jump and I had a cliff strike because of that. Oh, wow. So I had to think about uh, what to do and uh, it happened to me a lot of time to go down. And today... I see that a lot, that people, when they are on the exit point, it's uh, very difficult for them to, if conditions are more or less good, they usually they find out, yeah, it, it can be okay. But sometimes it's not okay, so it's good to cancel the jump and come back. Learning that lesson of when to walk away. That's a valuable one. That's a hard one. What, what was your very first base jump like? My very first base jump is from a cliff in Vercors. All right. Yep. So <laughs> just went straight to not it. Not the perfect place at all. Huh? Sure. <laughs> but at the same time, I would argue there wasn't wasn't get with the information you had. I mean, why not? Yeah, you know, I was the, uh, some these days. Uh, maybe not so much a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. <laughs> then I uh, I did few jump from this cliff, and after uh, what four. Five jump, I went to a bridge, which <laughs> is opposite yeah. what you have to do. Huh? <laughs> um, and a very shitty bridge with a narrow gorge be below. Mm. I have another, I had another cliff strike there from the bridge. Mm. A cliff strike we, from a bridge? Yes. <laughs> All right. <Ouch. laughs> a, there, there's got to only be a handful of those in, in, the, in the sport. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, one of the things that we've talked to a lot of folks on the podcast about is the history of injury. You know, so almost everybody that base jumps long enough has broken something. Do you have any you any know, good stories long about yeah. that? I broke my ankle on the cliff strike. Yeah, mm -hmm. the not from the bridge. This one was okay, but uh, the second <laughs> one. Yeah, and that's it. That's your um, only yes. injury. No, nice, yeah. awesome. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah sure. my, mine's an ankle too. It's my only real base injury. Oh, yeah. I think it's the the activity. As long as you you are careful with the with the aerology, the that you jump exit that are that you are comfortable, that uh, you have the skill to jump this exit, uh, you can continue jumping forever. Mm. It's not uh, s today. It's not so high-risk activity to me. Uh, right. Because you can, it's easy to control, the, uh, to check the aerologic condition mm -hmm. and to not jump. It's much more risky to, for example, uh, ski touring because the snow, it's very difficult to sometimes to, to know about it. And avalanche, it's uh, mm. very difficult to, to know even with a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So base jumping, it's not like a extreme, uh, super high risky activity. Not at all. Right. If you have good measures in place and you're honest with yourself yeah. about your ability and the conditions, Sunshine <laughs> Superman is one of my favorite documentaries. And you watch that. And to us, there seem to be very clear indicators that jumping should not occur. But those decision-making factors were not uh, established yet, you know, because like our, our ability to make a decision is based off of so many incidents that they, that had hadn't occurred yet. You know, when, when they were, you know, jumping Romstall and, and some of those other jumps. Um, I mean, we, we, hopefully we are, we continue to learn, you know, and continue to be honest and uh, uh, benefit from from the mistakes of other people, so to speak. And benefits not the right learn maybe from other people's mistakes. Well benefit from as well though, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you back back in the day <laughs> then you, you didn't have that 
experience that other people had had and you didn't have the knowledge so but but now there's so much it's still a super young sport isn't it but yeah there's there's so much knowledge now going back to the days of modified skydive equipment to 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 now when it's you know really great gear to choose from so yeah i think you'd be crazy not to like take everything take everything that everybody before has learned and hurt themselves for and died for uh, I think you'd be you'd be crazy and and arrogant, really, mm-hmm. to 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 not take that on board. I mean, not learn from it. Mm. No. Yeah, I find it interesting that uh, sometimes we forget, you know, because we think base jumping is this very unique and very you know special thing that nobody else could understand. But at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to a an evolving sport, it's following the exact same progression as things like skiing downhill skiing and you know all surfing of these, all yeah. of these sports went went through this growth period and yeah. it, but it seems like thanks to technology and thanks to uh the ability to share information um our i'm hoping our growing period that learning curve is is shorter than some of these other sports where we make the mistakes we figure some stuff out and then we continue on to at a point where base jumping becomes a respected you know people go out skiing i love it every winter i always see the people on the crutches you know like right <laughs> after those after the All first snow long. and you're like yep that's a ski injury <laughs> like so those injuries don't go away but people treat skiing as a anyone can go do it kind of sport like it gets it has a certain level of it's achieved a, a level of universality activity. yeah Someday, I would like to see base become more respected as a as a sport. That, but you're right; would, it's never going to be able to be directly compared with hmm. something like skiing because you've got your pro skiers, and then you've got the kids at school here in here in Murren. They they go on their PE lessons and they go for a ski. You see the hmm. little little guys there just obviously racing past me down the slopes. It's hmm. embarrassing. So. Base isn't something you can, you know, dip into, is it? Right, right. It's and it's you never can't just going pick to it up be. for a weekend, you know. Yeah, and hope you don't get hurt. It's, but the first, it's the first question, isn't it? When mm-hmm. I'm when I'm uh, talking to paragliding customers who are about to go for a tandem, they see base jumpers and they go, "Oh my god, that's great! Have you ever done it?" And base is never going to be something that you can just go try. Do yeah. is it? Aside from obviously tandem Ten. base. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> but that was a reference to Zach and Thos last year. Lisa got a tandem base with Chuma. I did. Yeah. Yes. Good time. Thanks, Chuma. It was awesome. And yeah, thanks, guys, for finally throwing me off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> you bastards. It took took way too long. <laughs> Been ready to throw you off a cliff for a while. I know. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and also, I can add that. Uh, uh, base jumping in the for the general public uh, from the very early time uh, you I was contacted by the journalist and or talking to people about what we are doing and the 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 picture that people in general get from this activity it never changed from the very beginning it's uh, for public it's like uh, it's uh, it looks like a suicide, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. when you jump from something in the air. So that's why they they are afraid from that. I think it's a very weird thing for them, and I don't think it will change. Of course, we can show that we have uh, skill, knowledge, we take care and everything, and they can get some respect, but it's it's still very difficult to, to show, and it takes a lot, lot of time to... To explain to people hmm. conceptually it's hard for people to grasp jumping off a cliff like there's a certain level of you have to take the logic button in your brain and just turn it off to to accept what what's going on there because it goes against everything that a normal human brain would accept as acceptable okay okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well i mean it, it's it's one of those things where like skydiving is considered just mind-blowing to to the general public so now make it a little more complicated and make the ground a whole lot closer and and introduce one of those bat suits and yeah, yeah. Those, like, those, <laughs> those flying squirrel suits yeah. yeah but 
a lot of people, a common misconception, I think, though, is that people tend to say, think it's all about the adrenaline rush. Mm, yeah. And it's not like, the, I mean, the general public, as you say, in the, the, the view of it, of general normal people, <laughs> it's, it's that, like, all base jumpers are crazy and it's about the adrenaline. It's mm. like, why? Oh, you're an why adrenaline junkie. Oh, my God, you're an adrenaline. Must, it's the adrenaline, isn't it? It's, 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 yeah, you're adrenaline junkie. And I, and I do point out to people that in actual fact, you hang out with a group of base jumpers and more often than not, they're the most boring. A bunch of nerds, geeky. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Checking I mean, the weather. It's all about the science. It's, you know, the, the, the glide ratio and like tweaking little things. It's, it's not about Let's just jump off this clip. clip Ooh, hope for the Mountain best. Mountain Dew, Red Bull. Wheel. Send yeah. it. It's, yeah, it's not that. No, it's, yeah. It's, it's the opposite. I'd be willing to bet you more than anybody deal with that through interacting through the paragliding uh, uh, with airtime and uh, meeting people in the valley. I, I'd be willing to bet you yeah, it's like, deal it's with that two, way more than most of us. Yeah, it's like with, here in the valley in our little microclimate of air sports. It's uh, yeah, I deal directly with both, like all the time with the airtime paragliding guests, and then obviously with valley base gear and learn to base jump with the base jumpers, and yeah, it's quite funny trying to trying to educate people, trying to oh, it's the adrenaline, isn't it? Well, no, actually, you want to try hanging out with some base jumpers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that that can actually be harder. Hanging out with us, <laughs> depending on what, <laughs> depending on if it's party mode or, or keeping up. Well, with yeah. Us. <laughs> yeah, or we're super boring because we're like completely immersed in like packing and reviewing footage and doing those <laughs> things, and it's like uh, this is there's nothing here for this. This is why I still yeah. have this is why I still have my blanket ban in my <laughs> house on free fall noise. You can watch your footage, you can assess it, that's fine, better, but better you, mute it. you better mute that. <laughs> you don't want to hear shh. No, really? Weirdly, no. Mm. <laughs> Funny. Shocker. Jean-Noël, do you have a favorite jump? Uh, not in partic- particular. Huh? It's, uh, de- there is so many jumps all around the world. Mm-hmm. And very different mm-hmm. from you can jump in the tropics, you can jump in the Arctic, in Antarctica. Everything is different. How you And it also depends the not only of the jump and to me, but the approach you can have to make this jump uh, with the people you are with mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It goes all together. To so wh- where I was kind of going with that, and I didn't expect this to be your favorite, but uh, at the same time, um, we have two Baffin alumni here, you, know, you and Brian, <laughs> but I feel like your experiences were wildly different oh yeah um so could you tell us a little bit about your 30-day solo trip to baffin island uh i was uh, in baffin island in 10 years ago with a group of friends and we did few jump there um, and it's a fantastic place i always wanted to to go back there uh, I decided to go uh, solo there for many reasons, but uh, not because I cannot find a partner. Huh? It was uh, to experience something new. So uh, again, it's not about uh, <coughs> how many jumps you will make there and this and that. It's uh, the complete experience you can get from that. Uh, I was afraid to to go solo huh, there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Mad respect. And uh, my, my main concern was uh, I I had a lot of questions uh, about uh, how I would come back. Maybe completely crazy or I don't know. <laughs> and um, I just I found out that for me it was very nice. I like it very much. Uh, the 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 main thing is the emotion you can get from that. Uh, you are alone during long time, one month, and far away from the life. It's not only uh, you don't speak to anyone. Huh? It's you are far away from everybody. Uh, the all the emotion you get when you are happy or angry. It's uh, there is no 
people to moderate. There is no filter and it's a very strong emotion you can get. Very special. Did did you learn anything from like the isolation? Like did you learn anything about yourself, I guess, when it's just you? Yeah, for sure it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, you discover yourself, huh? It's uh, even if uh, I like to be in mountain alone a lot. I'm going uh, jumping also alone, uh, but uh, it's yeah, it's uh, in a such envir- environment. It's a special thing because okay, you have to deal with uh, with uh, element. Extreme elements. Very often, people they told me, "Okay, it's uh, it's cold, uh, hmm. it's far away. You are on the ice, on the snow, everything." But this is very easy to deal. Uh, you can, mm, to me, I find very easy to, in a way, to deal with uh, element. You can learn and check and decide what to do. You make it sound so easy. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, I'm over here like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, Br- Brian had like helicopters and mm-hmm. like people to set up the tents. And I was glamping. I was in glamour, <laughs> glamour camping. Right. I was intimidated by his experience. Now, I just can't imagine doing it by myself. I can't imagine doing it by <clears throat> myself. I, I walked around looking around going, I can't believe somebody would do this by themselves. So the the... the what uh, I think is difficult for people is not to deal with the with uh, the trip alone. Mm. Okay, it's uh, physically and it's something you have to be prepared. But um, um, it's more the mental trip. It's uh, to be alone. Uh, you start to think a lot, also, mm. and. I think many people they are afraid to what they're gonna think about the, or find about themselves. Yeah, yeah. We because we have a lot of distractions, so you can kind of sort of ignore yourself with the distractions. But when you're up there isolated by yourself, you have nothing but your mind, but you, and you're faced with it. Yes, exactly. But uh, yeah, well, it goes very good, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's really exciting. That's uh <laughs> yeah i'm ready to go again actually yeah yeah nice i want to go again on a longer trip because i found out one month was uh, very short <laughs> I, wow I, i'm willing to raise my hand and say i'll go but <laughs> could, if we can have a helicopter maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're such a diva <laughs> yeah. people hand me helicopters all the time it's like <laughs> I have to say no because it gets expensive. <laughs> so did you go through the – so I went through this on the way out. Like by the end of the trip, I was ready to to leave. But it took less than two weeks. As we were leaving, I was like, yeah, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it's going to probably stay that way once in a lifetime. And two weeks later, it it switched where I was like, oh, yeah. That was an amazing experience. I, I, if I had the right people and the right time frame and the conditions were, you know, all aligned, yeah, I could go back. Really? But it was it took it took almost two weeks to, to think that, like, by the end of the month, were you like ready to go or were you more kind of like I wish I would have stayed longer? Did Baffin beat you down as bad as it beat me down, <laughs> <laughs> and I only was there for two weeks? Well, I was ready to go back home. I w- right. You know, it's uh, I came to the end of my uh, my trip. At some point, it's not a comfortable place to stay. Huh? That's right. Yeah, like it's a different kind of fun. I don't like to be to be cold. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't see. I don't anyone like. I spent most of my twenties living in Hawaii. I don't. I don't know like what. Like extreme cold is. No, it's good. You go out of your comfort zone and you you are ready to come back. Huh? Uh, especially during one month uh, hiking with the pulka with all the equipment, it's right. uh, uh, started to be a bit tired mm. sometimes. <laughs> especially the last part was uh, 
euh, I had uh, to come back uh, uh, the last part to the village uh, by myself and the weather was not very good so I uh, I did uh, almost two days hiking to, to keep going on the good weather without stop Whoa. yeah it's part of the trip you have to adapt yeah. yourself all the time and deal every problem everything step by step one after the other then you you start to continue moving forward yep yeah yeah i felt like it was like the we're trying to describe like it's not fun in the general sense of like oh my god i'm smiling and having so much fun it's not vegas it's surviving <laughs> and the enjoyment that you get out of adventure yeah being in those elements and 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 making it through that and then you're like well that was amazing that was that was an accomplishment and then two weeks later then i was like okay maybe i can do that again because <laughs> at the time n never warm like there was just never warm like there was no warm i honestly time. don't i don't honestly think i could cope with that like i, 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 I don't so like being cold. of course you can you just put more clothes when you are cold that's it yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, the the Germans have a saying that I can't actually say in German, but it's there, there's <laughs> no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing or yes. bad equipment. Yeah. yeah. So. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Did you ha had some fear about the beers, polar beer? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. was, I was. So it was really funny because um, we had two Inuits that were there with us, and they had the gun. We had a pretty big camp with twenty something people. Um, so we were putting out lots of smells. We had people that would go hiking and see polar bear prints mm -hmm. in the, in the snow. So 20 base jumpers, all of them free spirits and the kind of people who would sign up to go to Baffin are going to be pretty individual and very, uh, um, like to go. Yeah, let's, let's do it. But yeah, so like <laughs> lots of people like to go hike by themselves. And uh, the Inuits got nervous. So several days into the trip, myself, no hiking. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to go wander off. I knew there were bears out there somewhere. I didn't want to be the one that found them. And it was funny because the Inuits let the expedition organizer know, "Hey, can you please tell these guys that if they're going to go wandering off, to at least tell us so that they can keep an eye on if you step on a polar bear, they can at least watch you get eaten." Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I I was concerned about bears and just in in general, and so the idea of leaving camp by myself, no thanks. But Aaron got to run into a polar bear with two cubs on the snowmobile ride home. Like the whole time, we knew they were out there. Even the Inuits were nervous because they had prepared dinner for us one night where they had some Arctic char. Um, you know, so they were cutting up fish right there behind their tent. And so there were fish guts and everything like that laying out. And it's just like, it's like, it's like chum in the water. Yeah. You're for, just making a polar bear go, Oh, that's snack time. Yeah. Let's go find out what's over there. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, but I don't know. Did you run into any wildlife? Because that was the other yeah, thing. What was, what was your plan for polar bears out there by yourself? My plan? Uh, well, I knew that something can happen, bad happen to me because of that. I was uh, first very afraid to go uh, because of polar bear. Mm. But uh, if you think about it, maybe you, you have a very bad luck. You find... a polar bear with uh, I mean a mother with and then you can get trouble mm. but I um, tell myself there is a very few chance I uh, something happened like that right. so I went quite okay with that uh, I was not too much scared only uh, when the because to go in the fjord the Inuit dropped me there and mm -hmm. uh it was very froggy day. You couldn't see very far, and uh, he dropped. We dropped my stuff, and he was just looking uh, around. And uh, 
He asked me if I will keep the my rifle I had with me all the time. I said yes, uh, of course, in my tent, of course. Mm -hmm. I asked him why, but he said, "Well, you are alone. Be careful." And he didn't say goodbye. He stepped on the skidoo and ran away from me. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you did have a rifle though for protection. So I was at that time. I I, I had some concern about what oh, shit. He, I was almost okay, and he put a lot of pressure on me yeah telling me that now <laughs> um so like the last thing he said to you before he drove off like all right yeah. <laughs> good luck good luck bye then <laughs> plant that seed and just but uh, uh, you get mm, well i find a way to to be comfortable by myself actually i was in the tent i took my rifle went out i shoot on one rock and i I uh, it was the first time I used a rifle. Oh no! And I felt oh, shit. It's <laughs> so much noise and power you have in your hand that I feel totally okay after. Right. Yeah. It, if anything, you, you might not hit him, but you'll scare the shit out of both of you. <laughs> you both be like. Oh. But you get comfortable to the point uh, for a jump. Uh, I went uh, from my camp five minutes from my camp. I saw. Going up into the slope, a uh, big track, big fresh track, and I was just following because it was easy to go up oh, no. the track and <laughs> looking if I can see something in front, but I was okay. Yep. And that was what was interesting is they told us that, uh, yeah, polar bears are, they're assholes. They, they'll smell that camp and they'll come and they'll just sit on the perimeter and lay in the snow and just watch and just see how people move and what's going on. And you won't know because they're white on white. So there's oh. just a bear that could be 20 meters out there and you can't tell until you step on it. Somebody strays too far from the camp. Well, you know, easy establish pickets. that pattern of life. Yeah. Figure out, oh, this person's going away from the camp. But you have oh, to think that most of the time they are, they are not interesting for you. Huh? Yep. So how, many, uh, how many jumps did you get? I got only one jump during the trip. Wow. I tried to to do another jump. Okay, I was. Uh, it was the difficulty to get a lot of jump when you are moving all the time is to be at the right time. When yeah. it's, I mean, at the right place at the right time mm. to jump. So sometimes I went. I was at near to a jump and it was uh, bad weather, mm. super windy, and I want to keep moving to do my trip. So I yeah. had to stay, to decide to stay a few days or not. And also, I was also planned to snowboard. Oh, of course, yeah. There, so yeah. Wow. I did five, uh, five uh, couloir, five ride. Yeah. Nice one, and only one jump, but. Where did okay. you jump? I was in the, I don't know the name of the cliff. Okay. Actually, I was in the uh, Gippsfjord, okay. which is uh, north than where you was. Yep. How many jumps did you get in? Three. Cool. You suffered with weather, right? Yeah, so we had a heli chartered for 10 days. And out of those 10 days, we only had actual jumping weather for a day and a half. We got two jumps in one day and one jump the next. Okay. And that was it. Other than that, it was just wind. Lots and lots of wind. And cold. <laughs> lots of time to think. We built an igloo, <laughs> a 20-man igloo. That is awesome. The igloo was huge. <laughs> the Inuits tried to tell us, you know, they showed us how to, like, start building an igloo. Like, okay, yeah, draw your circle stagger it like have some angle and and work your way up we said all right sounds good and they showed us how and built their own little igloo and you know it was four feet high and fit two people then we go and draw our circle and it they must have looked at it and just said what <laughs> it, it okay you have a four bedroom some mansion two bed <laughs> ma mansion igloo here <laughs> And most of them didn't think it was going to actually come together. There, there was actually money riding on the fact that we were never going to finish this <laughs> this igloo. 
and it was luckily because we had so much weather and downtime and Rob Perry is a architectural genius. Um, yeah, now we, we had plenty of time to, to build a giant igloo, which turned into the best weather shelter when there's 70 knot winds blowing camp to, to shreds. You could just hang out in an igloo and it's nice and quiet and not warm. <laughs> warm never actually came into the equation ever. Well, respect to both of you. Cause yeah. Nah, I, I mean, I oh. mad props to anybody who can go alone. Yeah. I can't imagine spending 30 days with, by myself, like with, just with my brain with my own head yeah, yeah. You, exactly you don't want to talk to yourself I, for a month no no it's, i get it's I get a terrifying it. thought actually in all honesty it's terrifying to spend 30 days with just me hell while brian was in bath and i drove here by myself and was like this is weird i haven't, I haven't <laughs> spent four and a half hours by myself with my own thoughts in a long time i'm always surrounded by people yeah. brian, brian goes away and it's like oh i actually have to like deal with my own <laughs> stuff mm. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah no it was it was an amazing experience and someday maybe we'll go back yeah when when aaron's <laughs> yeah. fingers stop you know blistering and shedding when aaron gets her fingers back and randy's like yeah no did, so did you have any uh frost nip or frostbite no no i was okay yeah yeah, yeah. i got lucky too okay. yeah everything like no no burns no nothing Poor Erin. After that first jump, she looked... I wouldn't say she was crying, but yeah. <laughs> but she was. Yeah. <laughs> she was bundled up enough that you couldn't see the tears behind all of the <laughs> layers. Not fair play. Yeah, it's, it's weird like how much you're... Like how slow everything gets. Everything takes longer. Everything's a mission. You know, just the idea of, you know, planning when to pee so that you don't have to go outside, you know, in the middle of the night. But I think I can speak for Erin here when I tell you to shut up talking about having to pee, being what a boy. Yeah. Well. At least you don't have to take your pants down. That's true. <laughs> we did build them a, a beautiful women's room. Oh. <laughs> you guys had a deluxe two-stall urinal yeah, the pee temple. <laughs> I feel like we're giving away because we have a plan to do a Baffin episode. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll, there's I'll, lots of spoiler alerts in here. Spoiler like. alert! It was cold. <laughs> yeah, John Noel, where can people reach you or like learn more about Adrenaline Base? So you can. We have we have the website and our Facebook page, Instagram. Yeah, about awesome. Adrenaline, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll add all those links to the show notes so that if people listen, they can they can find uh, Adrenaline online. Mm-hmm. Lisa, yes. thank you so much for organizing this weekend. Yeah. The, the Valley Base Gear opening party, the free base weekend. Uh, you truly are the glue <laughs> to, uh, to what's happening here in the Valley. Um, but don't think you're, you're getting off kind of light here. We we are going to have a Lisa episode. Yeah. Are we? Yeah. Are we're going to we're going we're gonna to peel back the layers. No. We're going to go deep. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. That so was this vaguely is creepy. Right? No, it's just no a warm up. <laughs> vaguely creepy. But uh, no, I thought I was just yeah. I'm, I'm like John Noel's groupie. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's been awesome. Like, there's something to like just awesome to like meet the people who like create the things that you then rely on for yeah pine, true yeah. pioneers yeah you know? like yeah and i think it's lost a little bit There's, i mean social media all the facebook and insta and stuff is brilliant it's great for getting stuff out there and keeping in touch with people but i think sometimes things are lost if you don't shout very loud then you're not heard hmm. and you know, you, you you shout loud and you are heard, and it kind of sometimes doesn't even matter if it's doesn't even matter if it's correct, right, true. So, yeah, and when obviously John Noel would rather be on his own for thirty days in Baffin, mm. so he's he's 
not a fan of the social media as as much as some perhaps is that that's why you said that <laughs> <laughs> it's a running joke yeah. but um but no i think it's uh, i think things like this are really important for not only sharing knowledge and and getting together as a community and having a really fun time but but it's nice to remember that the the shiny things that you buy off a website or a shelf they they come off the back of somebody 20 years more than 20 years of uh of pioneering research and development so yeah i think sometimes it's nice to remember that put that out there and remember that yeah and thank you both for taking the minute to sit down with us and it's uh, been a we- busy weekend yeah huge weekend and and to step aside for a minute and um chat with us and you know, it, it means a lot and there are people that are going to listen to this and they're going to learn some stuff and um, have a better idea of, of where this stuff's coming from. And we really appreciate it. You're welcome. Of course. And our final plug, <laughs> now we can finally <laughs> talk about it. I almost busted it a couple of times on accident, but the Valley Bay Spear. This has been a, the world's worst kept secret for the last six months. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for those who weren't there last night, uh, we have our own craft beer. We have a summer pale ale that the awesome guys at um, at the Harry Cow Brewery in, in Interlaken have brewed for us. Um, they're amazing. They're, they're just they make some good stuff. Well done, Harry um, Cow. They do. Thank you, Harry Cow. And uh, and we have um, a lot of bottles, mm. a lot, <laughs> a lot of bottles of uh, Valley Base Beer VBB. Um, so you're going to see it in airtime, and you're going to see it in the Horner Pub. Uh, craft beer, summer pale ale. It's it's awesome. It tastes good, but the the kicker is we wanted to do something good, uh, like we do for the valley to try and keep this going, because uh, it is a delicate balance here. It's a bit of an ecosystem that with uh, with locals and tourists, and and it's as it only gets bigger. I think we need to we need to work even harder to to keep things going and to keep relations good. So a proportion of every bottle when you're drinking your beer, you're doing something good. You're also buying a beer for the rescue crews. So, um, so a proportion of every bottle at the end of the season, um, we're going to do something, a little something nice from the base jumpers, from the base community to the rescue crews that, that help enable us to, uh, to keep doing the fun stuff. So if people come to the Valley, they can drink beer and give back at the same yeah. time. Exactly. It's a double whammy. So if you're not sure if you need one more beer before you go to bed. You do. You probably, yeah. <laughs> it's going to a good cause. So it's why not? It's a good cause. You're doing yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we we dedicated a lot last night. <laughs> we, yeah, we we yeah. yeah, we did a lot of charity work last night, yeah. guys. Re- remember so. that it is five point two percent. So, yeah, it's a nice summer pale ale. It the, will the, it will punch you in the, the face in the morning if you're not careful. It yeah. it also will. A little safety there from Brian. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just just tested that out last night. Well, cool. All right. Well, on that note, thank you guys for everything. And uh, you're welcome. I think this has been a base life podcast yeah ciao cool all right if you want to know more about our guests just check out the show notes and if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com facebook.com backslash the base life and on instagram we're at base dot life all right thanks